This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Before we get to this Browns Film Breakdown podcast episode brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network, I want to talk to you guys about what's going on in my bookie. It's a big week for gambling. The NCAA tournament is right around the corner. Starts just tomorrow evening, which will probably be tonight when you guys listen. My bookie's the way to go. Should you guys just want to fill out an entire bracket, pick a national champion, predict first-round upsets, all the above, my bookie's the perfect place for your March Madness fun. If you know the answers, or even if you don't, my bookie's a great place to get in on that action, guys. They have something for everyone, even you multiple bracket guys. They have an answer there. My bookie has been in business for years. Their goal is to give you the best customer service in the business, and the best part is they pay out fast when you win. I'm talking 48 hours fast. Bet with the best, then kick back and enjoy March Madness while you watch your picks cash in. Deposit with my bookie today with the promo code BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E, all one word. For a 50% sign-up bonus, that's promo code BLUEWIRE. With my bookie, you play, you win, you get paid. And we're off. Welcome to Browns Film Breakdown, guys. I'm your host, Jake Burns, writer for the OBR, writer for Cleveland.com. Coming at you guys on a Wednesday night. This will probably jump into your feeds Thursday morning. A pretty lame Browns week in terms of news. The excitement that was last week with the signings and trade for Odell Beckham Jr. have covered all of the different avenues for information, news that we could handle. The Browns took it easy on us this week. We haven't seen anything crazy. Odell Beckham took a social media hiatus this should not freak you out in any way in any form it's normal for guys to unplug from those situations i am literally going to drop it at that it should not be anything you are concerned about you should be focusing on opportunities for the browns and personnel and i wrote about that with the safety play article which we will talk about with our guest at the very end and we will uh, give you a chance to read look at eight players that they have the opportunity to sign if you have not had the opportunity i wrote about odell beckham and his fit in the browns offense uh, alongside what he can do with uh, his natural playability how the browns can use him in scheme between freddie kitchens and todd monken and it's an exciting thing to think about uh, you know as we approach uh, what will be one of the more fun months in the nfl calendar in april we're going to get a feel for uh, browns Schedule usually that comes out around the 18th to 20th of uh, of the month. We'll get a feel for some of these primetime whispers that we've been hearing about, some of these 4 o'clock starts, maybe a Thursday, Monday, and Sunday night game, maybe a Thanksgiving game. There have been whispers of a Thanksgiving game. I didn't think I'd see that for a long time. So that's exciting. So plenty on the table. News-wise, is going to be a little slow for the next two or uh, you know, the next two or three weeks, we got Ohio State's Pro Day. Sounds like about 130 people were there from all across the NFL. whole bunch of different people there to watch. Terry McLaurin blew it up. Dwayne Haskins blew it up. Threw really well. I think that you'll be excited to hear about uh, how well he threw. And, and just sort of the look at Terry McLaurin is going to be a name that Doug Baldwin even pointed out as a name to remember. So you should keep your eye on how quickly Terry McLaurin comes off the board. I thought he's an ideal Browns fit because of his fantastic ability to be a gunner. And the Browns are sort of 
going to groom that slot receiver type who can take over for Jarvis Landry. Eventually, he's going to be a special teams guy, preferentially somebody who can help and be a gunner, and that's something Terry McLaurin's really fantastic out about. Uh, but don't sleep on the guy's routes, his ability to create separation, all of those things. He blew up. He's going to continue to blow up. He might sneak in and be a surprise day, uh, day two pick in the late second round perhaps even early third round. He keeps creeping up. People are really falling in love with his tape and his and his uh, you know efforts in, in uh, the draft process, so he's fun. Plenty more big pro days to come. Uh, I know we're going to talk about those, and we'll cover those on social media as we go. Follow Browns Film Breakdown. We'll have that list for you and all the Browns content you can get from at Browns Daily Mock Draft. And then Brendan Leister contributes some uh, analytical pieces as well. As we update the Browns, we're hoping they sign a D-tackle. We're hoping they bring in a safety. We're hoping they maybe add a linebacker all before the draft. There could be a trade in the air. Folks at the OBR have heard some rumors. We don't know if that's going to happen. The last time we heard some smoke about some trades, it was a, a matter of a matter of a week and a couple days, and Odell Beckham was a Brown. So those things are swirling. John Dorsey's aggressive. Nothing would surprise me at this point. Uh, so, you know, keep your ears peeled. We could see some changes over the next few weeks. We could see Emmanuel Ogba shipped out, Duke Johnson, Darren Lee from the Jets is a name they have their interest in. So it's going to be fascinating to sort of see where the Browns roster evolves just in the short time that will be a month until the draft. So, uh, continuing with the draft, we're going to look at the draft prospect series. We will come back to offensive line. We have skipped over that. Uh, going to get with uh, Brandon Thorne, who's going to give us some great insight on that. Does another great podcast, Trench Warfare on Blue Wire Podcast. He does a great job. He's not quite where he needs to be to be completely confident in what he's talking about with these guys in terms of scouting reports. He's working on that, so we will come back to what I think is an important position now along the offensive line with both tackle interests and interior interests with the departure of Kevin Zeitler. So we will, like I said, be coming back. But I wanted to get... Uh, kind of keep this moving as we work towards the draft and we're going to touch on D-line with a guy I trust, guy who does great film work, sort of that under the cover prospect, a uh, guy that you maybe have never heard of but is going to be a name that pops up in mid to late rounds, uh, maybe on the draft board for the Browns or uh, some other teams in the division too, so at least be important to understand who those guys are, so let's jump over to our guest. Okay guys, Pumped to welcome in somebody I have quite a few conversations with throughout the football season, then into draft season. I think he does a great job of putting together uh, some really good defensive line study, especially with sort of quantifying where players would be available by where the Browns' picks are and where the Browns might be interested in a player along the defensive line. So as we as we go through this prospect study, I think it's fun to to look at people that have a specific uh, esoteric understanding of the Browns and then have an understanding of what they might be drafting. So uh, without further ado, I want to want to bring on Mike Krupka. Mike can be found at Hawaii Browns Hui on Twitter. Um, he's obviously the guy soaking up paradise who we all uh, look at his pictures and think they're fake, but you can obviously read Mike's work uh, at, the, at Dogs by Nature. Dogs by Nature does a great job. One of the best in the market. Uh, he, he does draft writing, uh, contributes over there. And then This Believe Land is Your Land. He does his own podcast with uh, John Colosimo and Josh Finney, they do a great job on that podcast as well. And you can find his work there. You can find it everywhere. But I wanted to get in touch with the man. So, Mike, how you doing, bro? Hey, Jake, man. Really appreciate that. I'm doing uh, I'm doing good today. And uh, it's, it's not fake news. I do live out here in paradise. It's good stuff. <laughs> he does indeed. I just had to confirm with him that he was even remotely in the back of his mind considering coming back to the icy winter north that is that is Cleveland. He's currently living at... I'm a game of I'm a Game of Thrones fan now, man. You're like down in King's Landing, like you're living the life. Yeah. 
So yes, I am. <laughs> um, uh. Let's do it, man. Let's let's dive in. So I I have. I have some guys that you've 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 put some threads together, and we're going to talk about guys you think the value aligns, Mike. But if you're looking at the Browns' current structure, the uh, the front four you feel comfortable with, obviously that's you know Olivier Vernon, Miles Garrett, Emmanuel, or sorry, Larry Ogunjobi, and 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 uh, Sheldon Richardson. You feel good about those four, but they they they've tendered Trevon Coley, who was one of the worst defensive tackles in the league last year, and then. Um, brought back, uh, brought back Carl Davis. Uh, they resigned him too. Those are really your interior players uh, as of now. Do you think that those two, um, and then Emmanuel Agba and Chris Smith, Anthony Zettel trio as your as your rotation? Is that enough, or do you want to see some of those things change? Yeah, I think they definitely need to improve it. I I, I feel they put themselves in a position to kind of maybe change their approach in the draft. Obviously, you know, taking away the number one pick takes uh, a lot of wind out of the sails of of some people who were expecting a defensive tackle given the depth and the strength of the position this year. Uh, but I think the Browns doing what they did in the offseason so far with the additions that you just mentioned uh, have really put themselves in position to to no longer draft someone and expect them to start right away. So even though some of those players that you just mentioned were were retained, I think my expectation is that we probably are going to add at least two relatively uh, high upside uh, defensive tackles uh, along the defensive line uh, in the upcoming draft. Yeah, I certainly think they need to add something. I mean, Trevon Coley can fight for his NFL life with the Browns. I think there's a place for him right. somewhere. I don't think he's a starting three-tech. He's maybe a 20-snap three-tech. It was it was pretty amazing that they ran a full season with him and got, for the most part, kind of got away with it. Um, and then, you know, Carl Davis didn't play. I, I don't know what they're going to do. Wilkes might rotate his defensive line different. It's no secret. Everybody knows how many snaps – Larry Ogunjobi played and Miles Garrett played and it just can't continue that way. So I'd have to think it's a priority for the Browns, whether it's these eight picks or adding another free agent to bring to bring somebody else in that can contribute along that defensive line and at least spell uh, Larry, you know, for example, who I talked to him and he said he's talking about consistency and being ready to play that number of snaps again. But I have to think in the back of his mind that 50 to 55, 60 range and snaps is something that's more ideal for an NFL 300 pound offensive or sorry, defensive tackle to make an impact. So um, we saw flashes from Larry. We, we hope to see more of consistency that comes with those flashes. And that's sort of where I think that this is a good conversation for us. So if you had to guess looking at, and this is all conjecture, obviously it always is, but looking at Mike, where their draft picks are, you know, uh, between, the first pick is going to be at 49, and then you're going to move into pick 80, 119 in round four, and then you get the three picks in round five. Where do you see them taking a defensive tackle? I think they prioritize tackle over end, in my my opinion. What do you think? Let's ask that question first. Yeah, I would uh, I would agree that, at least I, from my perspective, I'm definitely uh, prioritizing defensive tackle over D-end, and so hopefully they do the same. Um, in terms of the, the spot, I think – I think Dorsey kind of put out some – I forget who put this out recently, but I know he, he, he's going to sniff around probably a, a cornerback, um, some sort of secondary help. Uh, I don't know how early he's going to do that, but I also tend to think that he may look at an offensive tackle in, the, in that second round, someone, again, who he can, he can kind of stash and develop um, sort of like he did with Corbett. But 
Yeah, I think uh, the, the the money round for me really looks to be the the third round, um, and then maybe uh, into the fifth round, where so, some of the guys that I really like may still even be there. So, yeah. So, so my question would be, where is a guy you you've been on the the I think it's Kalen Saunders, right? I think you've been on him yep. before almost anybody else. I saw you threw up a thread, and man, it might have been February, maybe earlier. I could be wrong. Um, and as time has progressed and his film has reached more hands and his testing was phenomenal at the combine and so on, he's he's jumped up. Do you where do you see him sitting at in this uh, in this draft? Like an yeah, ideal I think, pick range. Yeah, I think he's probably going to be a guy that goes in the in the third round. Uh, that's just my um, my best guess. Um, so. Given his testing, though, I, I think he may even be able to sneak up into the to the second round. It really just takes one team, obviously, as we know, to to fall in love with him. But yeah, he, he's a guy that originally I had hoped that maybe he would slide into to the fourth range. But given uh, given his testing and again his his kind of rise in the media, anyways, I, I see him going um, second to third round. Okay, good. What do, what do you like most about him? I mean, if he's somebody you think they're going to have their eye on, what part of his game stands out to you? I think really just his athleticism. As soon as I turned on his tape, it's it's extremely evident that he he moves you know very well for a 324 pound man. Uh, his his lateral ability, his ability to uh, to close on the quarterback, to bend the edge um, as like a, a stand up five tech. Uh, he can do all those different things. And again, it's not it's kind of rare to see in, in a man his size. Uh, then you add in just the ability to do, you know, the backflip, that kind of stuff, the kind of explosion, uh, you see that come through when he's trying to control guys, um, you know, al- along the line, uh, he's able to convert his speed to power very well. And he shows a good, uh, a good amount of, of counter moves with his hands, uh, as well as the, the spin move, which, you know, you're going to need to, to incorporate that from time to time. So just all that stuff really jumped out at me at, at first, uh, at first viewing. So his production lines up with somebody that we'd feel comfortable taking in the second or probably the third round, right? Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at um, his total tackles from 2018, his market share was at 9%. Um, his tackle for loss market share was almost 16%. His sacks, uh, 18%. His QB hits, and this is all based on uh, cfbstats.com, by the way. Um, his QB hits were uh, close to 18%. And... Uh, his, you know, he had one forced fumble. So again, he had some pretty good production from the middle, uh, again, being able to do things and pressure the quarterback, get to the quarterback, but also show that versatility on the edge that really makes him an interchangeable piece on the defensive line, which I think might be, uh, you know, interesting for coach Wilkes. Yeah. He's fascinating. He's, he's certainly somebody I know you've talked about. Another player I want to, I want to talk to you about is, um, you know, your boy is it, it's Michael Dogby, right? Am I saying that right? Yep. Okay. Yep. So Dogby's yep. out of Temple, obviously tested really well, freakishly strong, can bench over 500 pounds, moves well enough. Where do you see him going? Yeah. Um, a guy I really like, like you, like you mentioned before, the thing I, I value on the defensive line is interior pressure. And uh, he led the ACC with 39 interior pressures. Um, in terms of his sacks, he was at a uh, market share of 20% on his team. QB hurries was at 17%, uh, tackles for loss at 16%. So aside from the numbers, uh, extremely powerful, extremely good get off, um, very, very, uh, you know, very, his student of the game kind of knows and, and can read the game very well, which helps him again, get off uh, the snap, uh, very quickly. Uh, you know, his pro day, I mean, again, you, you mentioned it, but 
his three cone would have put him at the top in the top seven among all the combine uh, guys that are uh, defensive line or edge. Or sorry, just defensive line. Um, his his bench had him in the top three among all uh, combine participants. His forty would have put him in the top six, uh, and his broad jump was kind of middling. Um, he would have been seventeenth best. So again, he's, he he kind of got slept on in my in my opinion. And for 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 me, given that he's slept on, there's not a lot of uh, I guess hype about him. For for me, my grade was a fourth round grade, but I could see him being available in the fifth round for us on one of those those three picks for sure. And the thing that stands out about him to me, or what he told me, that kind of gives a little nugget for the Browns is he kept telling me that when he was talking to the scouts, they were mentioning that you know, can you get to three hundred? Can you get to three hundred? So uh, it seems to me they want guys that are going to be around that three hundred pound mark, which is kind of also something to keep an eye on as the draft approaches. Yeah, I, another name that's great insight on Dogby. Another name I, I was interested if you've had a chance to look at yet. If you haven't, it's fine. But Rennell Wren, the kid out of Arizona State, who just put up some some stupid, like a, one of the historic, more historic broad jump numbers, right? Explosiveness numbers right. In, in history yep. for a guy at his size, which I, I think 6'4", 300 or close to it. Have you had a chance to look at Rennell any? I know he's explosive. Maybe the production doesn't match up, but a physical freak, right? Yeah, for sure. That's and, and you know, I, I may end up eating this one day, but that's that's kind of the I don't know, that's that's where I'm at. It's an anomaly for me. He's he's a freakish athlete. I think the combination of what he did at the combine puts him in a tier that's like there's only been like three or four other guys that are pretty elite uh in, in that status. But you know, that that part is is phenomenal and you see some of that come out in his tape. But then I, I don't see any production from him and there's times during some subpar uh opponents in, in those games that he's just being dominated by those guys. And that makes me scratch my head because he's got all this physical ability, but he doesn't really know how to use it. So for me, an NFL team looking at him is, is really banking on his, uh, his potential and being able to develop him versus knowing what you have. Um, they're basing it mostly on his traits. So, I mean, some teams are going to love that. Some teams are going to, you know, that's what they're going to base their whole eval around is traits. Uh, but for me, I, I would, and that's being very trait uh, centric. I would see him going in the, the the fourth round. Gotcha. That's good insight. I, I haven't studied Ren a lot, but I know he's popped up on a lot of boards. Who are uh, I'll kind of toss it to you, and you can you can throw out defensive ends. You can throw out the likes mm-hmm. of anybody interior. Maybe Tristan Hill's another name that's popped up. Sort of who are your sleepers on the end tackle that people should know about? At least Browns fans, when the later rounds come about, that would be a you know ahead of the curve kind of thing. Sure. Well. You know, along the D, the D line, I, you know, I like Charles Amenahu. I think he's going to be a good developmental guy. Um, I think he's going to flourish more as the five at a five tech versus the three tech. Uh, I think he's going to struggle inside, but uh, he, he's a guy that might be available uh, in the third round. Uh, Anthony Nelson from Iowa. He's a dude I, I really like, and I think we kind of chopped it up a little bit about um, uh, Hooker's film that, you know, Nelson was in on a lot of those tackles. He can um, run. And that's kind of, yeah. Pursue. He definitely can, and he's long. He's got some some good some good moves to get him free into space, and you know he, he's a guy we should be you know k- kind of sniffing around. I think, and I don't know. I I feel like he may have been uh, he may have been Twitter stalking me a little bit because Tristan Hill just popped up on my radar uh, just the other day, and he's man. I don't know about his off field stuff, but his on field stuff has got me really excited, and the fact that he has some of those off field question marks, at least from what I read. 
uh, kind of feels like a, a John Dorsey kind of value uh, pick to me at some point in time. But he's he's had some really good production, I think, as well, like 26 or 27 pressures, um, along with some pretty good productivity this year from UCF. So um, electric first step and, and just plays like he's got his hair on fire, man. He's crazy, man. Sometimes almost too much, but I really love his energy. So he's a guy that's uh, kind of popped up recently. Um, and then interiorly, I'll, I'll just name these next four guys. Uh, Neville Gallimore from Oklahoma really popped off the tape for me. His production isn't great, but certainly seems like he could be a developmental guy at uh, a value. Uh, Cortez, I think it's uh, Broughton uh, from Cincinnati. Uh, Albert Huggins was kind of, uh, he's from Clemson. He was kind of uh, hidden behind the depth they have there. Uh, he did perform really well on the bench and you can see it in his tape. He's able to control if he gets good hand placement, he can control the the point of attack pretty well, but he's a work in progress. And then Ed Alexander from LSU, who isn't the, uh, I guess the most uh, athletic guy, but he can certainly own the point of attack and, and take on double teams. So yeah, those so are some, some of the guys on my radar. D yeah, tackle. How the guy, how the Browns pursue D tackle is going to be fascinating because you know, John Dorsey's comment about wanting four pass rushers, but also, uh, you know, the theory of rushing the passer and stopping the running back along the way is, is it's interesting to me. Before we move DN, I want to ask you about two, well, three guys. Did you have a chance to look at Daniel Wise, a kid out of Kansas? Seen some film where he's lightning quick off the football. You know what? I haven't really studied him in depth. Uh, I, I kind of did look at him originally. I, I watched, I think, maybe one one game cut up of him, and I, I wasn't overly impressed, and so I kind of moved along. But, again, I, I haven't studied him in depth enough to, to say. Okay, that's fine. I was just a guy I was curious about having seen little bits and pieces. Uh, two, two others. I mean, the Browns have obviously moved past the idea of being able to to, uh, to take Ed Oliver. So, two, two, well, there's three names. A name that floated around originally in the process but is sort of faded. Draymond Jones, Ohio State kid everybody's familiar with. Where are you at with him kind of going into April's draft? Yeah, I mean, he – being an Ohio State kid, I know there's a lot of uh, guys in Ohio, fans in Ohio that, that you know, want to look at him because he was, you know, mildly or pr pretty productive, I'd say, right? He did, he did a lot of good stuff for Ohio State. He's a good player there. Um, but as I look at kind of what he did in the combine – as a you know, as, you know, I guess specifically his weight, um, he he didn't really come in what I had hoped he would. He was a little bit light, and he didn't really perform that well. So, for me, uh, I think again he's going to be a guy. Maybe some teams would look at in the second round, um, probably a more of a third round player. I think he, guys like Dogby, uh, you know, he he may actually be a better player just because of uh, you know what he's able to do physically. So, I, I don't know. He's an interesting study. Yeah, it was fascinating that that uh, Draymond Jones didn't repeat any of his agility stuff at that pro day today. Agility or the forty, I thought he could improve his forty time too. And like you're saying, he's kind of light, and then the production doesn't necessarily match what you wanted. And I, I'm fluid on production. I think there can be reasons production can can yep. go in every different direction, snap count numbers, all of those things. But when a guy doesn't test as well as you would like him to test at his size, and then doesn't retest at that side. It's it's a bit concerning. I do think he probably pushed himself into round three, and that could be a decent value pick at round three if if uh, if he gets to that point. And then um, last question, interior wise, Jeffrey Simmons, Jerry Tillery, two immensely talented football players. I would imagine Jeffrey Simmons from Mississippi State was 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 destined to be a top ten guy. Is is is. Yep. I mean, I I can't say destined because he does have the off field issue that happened before college, and that that is. 
teams get over it. He's been a model citizen in college. Uh, if you if you haven't looked up what happened to him, there was a there was a hitting a female incident that happened. It looked like in his hometown. I haven't studied it greatly. I saw the video. It's pretty pretty terrible stuff. But um, apparently he turned it around in college, and he was one of the best interior defensive linemen in the country. I was kind of pigeonholing him in at 17 he tears his ACL Jerry Tillery's going through the labrum issue the Notre Dame kid who's obviously immensely talented as well are either of those guys realistic for you at at at, uh, at 49 uh, Mike or, or where are you at with that it's going to be interesting that's that's a, I'm glad you brought these two guys up because they are sort of guys that I have on my wish list at 49 should one of them slip because I mean the the, the labrum injury it, it's it's going to be a challenge for him to get back, I think, in time at 100%. We'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, for Tillery, because I, I love Tillery. I mean, I think he is a, a fantastic interior pass rusher with, uh, you know, three-down potential as he develops. Uh, and then, obviously, Jeffrey Simmons, like you said, on the field, definitely top 10 lock, right? I mean, he's he's got that type of talent. But the incident and now the injury – should either of them make it for the, that combination of the reasons, like you know Tillery's shoulder or the the combo off field and the injury for uh, for Simmons? Man, it's it's. I mean, I, I would run the card up there. I think the Browns would do that, even though it flies in the face of what I just said that we, we don't need that type of. Or I I didn't think we were looking at that type of talent at uh, at forty nine. Now that we added the the free agents, but if either of those guys fall, they're they're first round talents at a value, so you can't pass that up. It's interesting with Simmons because if he was taken in the first round, you get that fifth-year option, which is obviously paramount. Um, mm. So I'm I'm not entirely sure what they will uh, what they will do there. I mean, you get you could get three good years out of him, but then you have you know a guy you really love in Larry, and then and then Sheldon's on another year, so you're kind of looking at is it worth it to hold on? I guess what it'll come down to for me is what they spend in free agency. If they plug the hole at safety that I think is there, if they plug a hole at linebacker uh, through the trademark or whatever, if they can add another corner, if they're active in free agency leading up, I have a feeling they might if Simmons gets to 49. If Simmons was a clean prospect, I don't think he escapes the second day, first three picks of the second day. If he's got the issues, we know he has the issues, he could potentially slide to 49. And, you know, when you talk about a guy who certainly pegs into what John Dorsey tries to tries to uh, steal for talent and then try to change who they are as people, I mean, that's, that's a conversation for another day. But the aligned uh, value based on what Dorsey looks for and uh, talent, athletic ability, player, and then kind of putting that other stuff aside, it, it might make a lot of sense. And that might make Browns fans upset because it's not going to be a guy they see on the field in 2019. But the long picture with Jeffrey Simmons could be you're going into next year bringing a football player on the field that's already a top 10 pick, and then you're getting your pick in the first round still as a 2020 drafts untouched. So that that should be interesting to me. I'll leave the floor to you, Mike. Defensive ends that you think are value picks for the Browns uh, sort of in that. I don't think they're going to use one of their first three – excuse me, one of their first three or four on a defensive end, I would be pretty surprised if they did. They could always go BPA in those situations, and and maybe they fall in love with the defensive end they can't pass up. But what, where are you at with uh, any kind of values, three, four, five, six area there? Yeah, I think uh, it'll be interesting to see. But, I mean, Chase Winovich is a guy I think is being slept on a little bit. I think uh, he's a smaller defensive end. Um, edge kind of guy. I, I'm not sure where he'd fit in with the Browns, but he's a guy I like probably in the third round. If we're going a little bit outside of that, 
uh, Christian Miller, LJ Collier, Joe Jackson, those types of guys all have my attention, um, you know, for, for value picks. Uh, I'm not sure where Ben Bonogu is going to go, but he's a dude I really like uh, from the edge side of things. And yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, kind of how the Browns attack it because uh, to, to your point, I expect them, and I should say to add to your point, I expect them to, to really attack the offensive line this year and begin to develop some players, uh, it, you know, from those value positions. Because if you look at, you know, Treader, uh, you look at obviously Robinson and Hubbard, you know, somewhere along the line here, we're going to have to plug a young guy in there and develop him um, unless Robinson, you know, comes on strong and, and does what we hope he can do. So that's where I'm at. Yeah, I think interior is going to be a bigger focus than the outside just because they have Chris Smith on another contract. And I'm not sure they're going to be able to just easily move Emmanuel Ogba. So they at least have depth and Zeta Flash toward the end of the year. So that's really what I wanted you for, Mike, to talk interior players because I do think even if they sign somebody like Ronald Gunther or Rodney Gunther, somebody inside who can play as a rotational piece, they still have a need. So it's good that Browns fans will have a lot of names that they can recall from your insight, my friend. So, Mike, thanks for joining me, buddy. I always appreciate you. Uh, you know, we're on some wacky time schedules. It's like 11 o'clock my time. It's, what, what 5 o'clock your time, something like that? Yep, yep. No, man, I, I appreciate I appreciate you having me on. It's been a blast, and uh, let's do it again soon. We, we absolutely will. So, guys, find Mike's work over at Dogs by Nature. Listen to this. Believe Land is your land. You're going to learn stuff every time they post a pod. they got great insight on draft prospects, philosophical debates with the Browns, all that good stuff. They have some fun, too, here and there. I'm, I don't have enough fun on this podcast, people tell me, so I don't know. I don't have a great sense of humor, apparently, or some some shit like that. But that's not, anyway. That's not true. <laughs> follow, follow Mike, guys. He's at... Hawaii Browns Huey. And then, um, as usual, I close. I, I always appreciate your guys' ratings, reviews, feedback. Wrote about safeties that are available in free agency, uh, safeties that are available in the draft that fit that box, safety, cover two type mold that Steve Wilkes will want. He has to replace Jabril Peppers. I don't think Derek Kindred is going to be able to do the versatile both sides role. He's still a player here. I'm not talking about getting rid of him, but he is, he is going to give away too much being on the field often. So I think that they will look to fill that role. I gave you some options for that. Of course, Clayton Gathers gets signed back to Indy if 10 minutes after I write the article. Nonetheless, there are eight great options to look at. That's on cleveland.com. Posted it on my Twitter feed. You can find it there. Uh, I appreciate the iTunes reviews you guys do and feedback you give me on Browns Film Breakdown Twitter page. Follow along there. Someday we'll get back to posting videos when my son gets older and stops running around the living room and tearing everything up and I got a little energy at night. We'll get there. 2019 season will be it so follow along give us those reviews guys always appreciate you listening that's uh that's it for this week we'll see you next week go browns sugar ray leonard roberto duran marvelous marvin Hagler, and thomas hearns legends whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. 
Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nade Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.